Hi everyone and welcome back to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM and on TuneIn Radio. Um, we are your hosts, Gabby Tanucci and Alyssa Kutcher. Um, so each week we discuss a movie um, every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. Um, this week we have a special guest, if he wants to introduce himself. Hi, I'm Liam Welsh. Um, I'm a communications major in uh, film, television, digital production. Liam Welsh. <laughs> nice. And you also have a show. Yeah. Um, Kiss Me Through the Radio every Fridays at 6. Or we just kind of talk about whatever. We don't really restrict ourselves. Very nice. Um, so we know that some of you might be tuning in for the first time. Hard to believe since we have such a huge fan base going here. Um, so just a little bit more about us. Um, I'm... Gabby. I'm an English major here at Southern, and I'm doing this show because I love movies and especially love watching movies when I should be doing homework. <laughs> I'm Alyssa. I am a sophomore here at Southern. I'm a communications major with a specialization in film, TV, and digital production. And I'm doing this show because, well, I obviously love movies, but I also love discussing movies with friends. And procrastinating homework, while isn't the goal, is definitely a plus. <laughs> we do get it done, though. Always. <laughs> okay, so this week we are we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie and plan to, this is a quick disclaimer. There, there will be spoilers, um, so th- this is your chance to tune out. Um, we hope you don't, though. Um, and so we like to start off by giving a quick overview of the film and some basic facts. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was released 1989 as a science fiction comedy starring Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter as the famous Bill and Ted who have to travel through time and collect historical figures in order to pass their high school history presentation, as I think we've all had to do. <laughs> the film was pretty positive pretty positively received. Um, It did gross over $40 million at the box office. Um, And it's also the first film in a continuing franchise followed by films like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And in 2020, they released Bill and Ted Face the Music. So um, Alyssa, do you want to talk about the director? So the director of this film was Stephen Hersek. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name, but we're just going to go with it. So some other movies that he's known for is 101 Dalmatians, which was released in 1996, The Three Musketeers, which was 1993, and two Dolly Parton movies, which I figured I should mention, considering we did discuss like 9 to 5, just like a week or two before. So he's known, so he directed the Dolly Parton movie, Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors in 2015, and Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors in 2016. He's a prolific director with like over 20 movies to his name. Those are just the ones that like stood out to me as what he would be more well known for. For the script writers of this, um, we actually have two. It's Ed Sullivan and uh, Chris Matheson. They, so those two work together on both Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and then Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991 and then Bill and Ted faced the music in 2020, but Ed Sullivan is also known for like Men in Black and Charlie's Angels, the original Charlie's Angels, the 2000s one. 
in for Men in Black, I feel like I should specify the 1997 one because there's also many of those. Um, Chris Mathis, Chris Matheson is also known for like the Goofy movie in 1995. So those guys have definitely worked together at least on this franchise. So I assume there's like a similar theme in like other movies. That is quite a resume, I have <laughs> to say. So um, I guess my next question has. I, have I ever, either of you seen the movie before? Uh, this is my second time watching it for the show. I saw um, it was free on YouTube a little while back, and um, I watched it. First, I watched it on Netflix like two years ago, so it's nice to come back to it. Um, I definitely liked it more the second time. I don't know. I mm -hmm. guess I was more of a cynical high schooler. I was like, this is silly, <laughs> but like I enjoyed it much more. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You got some hindsight now that you're older and wiser. Yeah, truly. <laughs> so, this is my like second time seeing the movie. Also, I did see it in high school. I did like it in high school. The only difference is I think I like the movie better now because I like know more about it. So, I think that just leaves you, Gabby. What yeah, you? I mean, this is my first time, but I definitely... There was a part of my subconscious when I saw certain scenes, I was like, I some history teacher made me watch this to try to up their street cred. And I think, so I think I've seen parts of it, but I mean, seeing the whole thing was really interesting and I thought it was really funny. It's always the history teachers. It really is. It always is. <laughs> they find the strangest clips, I don't know why. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. Even in this film, like, the history teacher is the reason for the whole plot to begin with. It really is. Mm -hmm. He seems more serious than all the history teachers I've had, though. <laughs> yeah, they had to, like, put on that big... Oh, spoilers. Well, you already <laughs> said that. They had to put on, like, that big presentation. Like, you had to go up and, like, give your thing in front of the whole school. Like, how extra is that? <laughs> yeah, for real. Or that the fact that graduating just rested on this one presentation in history in front of the entire school instead of like any other subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of one time I've had to give a presentation in, t in front of the entire school for one class. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So um, we're going to take a short break, but stay with us as we find out more about what makes the film so special. Again, you're listening to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM or on TuneIn Radio. Um, we're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci And Alessa Couture. Um, we'll be right back, but in the meantime, enjoy this track from the movie.
All right, welcome back to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM and on TuneIn Radio. That was Dangerous by Shark Island. We're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci and Alyssa Couture. Joined this week by our special guest, Liam Welsh. So we're continuing our discussion of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, and so I guess first we wanted to dive back into 1980s culture, um, just some general facts and how they might affect the movie. Um, so I guess, what did you guys think? Um, for me, at least, um, it's kind of hard to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure without mentioning Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, because those two are kind of like, they came out near each other, so they're like kind of linked. Um, so I feel like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is like super 80s, and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is really 90s. And the way it's like 80s is um, definitely like um, the mall, like that's mm-hmm. classic, like Fast Times at Ridgemount High like scene um yeah like they have like a water slide scene so it's like all like summer fun and stuff like that i know the music is like from the 70s but like that like rise of like rock resurgence kind of was like boosting eight 80s before like pop came out so like the fact that they're like kind of the outcast because they like the 70s music i think kind of like definitely describes the decade really well Mm -hmm. i would say i think the most 80s thing about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure would probably just be the plot itself, or maybe just how the film begins with like Bill and Ted just, they cause like a circuit outage in their garage with their garage band and they can't play and it's just the parents disapprove it. Okay, don't get me started on the parenting, (laughs) the parenting 80s. Questionable. (laughs) I feel like a very common theme in 80s movies is very like questionable parental figures who have very weird ways of parenting. I'm just going to point out one example here. Um, Bill's father giving Bill and Ted a little bit of money so they could get dinner so he could um, have a fun time with his wife in his son's room. Do you want to talk about like who the, the wife is? Yeah, and the wife, Missy, she... They literally mentioned that she was a senior when Bill and Ted were freshmen in high school. So father's definitely a little creepy, very <laughs> aiming young. Yeah, like the whole like stepmom <laughs> thing is kind of funny because in Bogus Journey, uh, um, or does it mention it at the end? I think of this one. Um, uh, Bill's mom starts dating Ted's dad, so it's like a kind of switch, uh-huh. and they like both have some kind of attraction to her. Which I think is really funny. Uh, Bill like says like at the end, like it's one of my favorite lines of the whole film when they're giving the big presentation. Like Sigmund Freud is like talking to like Ted, and it's like, "What about you, Bill?" And he's like, "Oh, I just have an Oedipus complex." And it's like just a throwaway line, but it's so like such a punchline that comes out of nowhere, and it's one of my favorites in the whole movie. I think one of the really, <clears throat> sorry, I think one of the really funny things about that is you get like a shot on like Missy's face after mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill <laughs> says that and she's like looking at the history teacher, Mr. Ryan, just like, oh, that's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he knows what it is though, like even <laughs> though he gets it wrong, it's like he's not that dumb apparently. Yeah, but he, he just like, stuff. He, he just like those ways like, I have an Oedipus complex. Yeah. Like it's just like, eh. Like, he knows, even though, like, even when Ted's like, your stepmom's so hot, it's like, shut up, Ted. Like, it's just like, he's, like, passionate about it, but then he's like, I don't really care. I know it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just funny. And it's kind of funny that Ted was the one, like, on the chair, and his dad's just being, like, roasted in the audience. Mm -hmm. Because 
with Sigmund Freud, like, psychoanalyzing Ted, he's like, oh, this is because your father did this, and the father's just in the audience, like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) The father's realizing everything he did wrong in that moment. Yeah, trying to just send him off to military school and, like, Mm -hmm. all that. (laughs) <laughs> Which again, really 80s, just like you disbeha- you're, you misbehave, you're going to Alaska for military school because it, that solves everything. Yeah. Um, it's also hard to talk about this movie without mentioning Back to the Future, which was a very popular movie at the time. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, when they were writing this, they wanted to use a car instead of a telephone booth. Yeah. Um, but obviously they couldn't because then people would just be comparing it to that. Uh, but like the... Um, jamming out in their garage, them being late to school, like all this like conflict that they solve using time travel. It's like very 80s and very back to the future S, but it makes its own twist on it to like where it has its own identity. Mm-mm. In terms of an Oedipus complex, it's also very similar <laughs> in maybe a disturbing way. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, even think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, all I can think of is the John Mulaney bit about that when I think of Back to the Future. <laughs> so very strange. Like, who pitched that movie? I don't know, but it <laughs> works because it's like one of the most popular movies of all time, so yeah, you can't even be like, what a weird movie, because like, everyone loves it. Yeah, I feel like that was the 80s. It was like, let's just see what the weirdest thing we can come up with is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, oh, sorry. I mean, it did work. I mean, I would say this is kind of peak 80s it has the weird parents it has time travel it has like even i know you want to talk about the sec the set the set design like later on but that's very Mm -hmm. like 80s very practical effects versus like special effects Mm -hmm. also speaking on the special effects in this movie the um do they give a name to the the booth or they just like call it the booth i can't remember i think it was just the booth yeah Yeah, we gotta get back to the booth like Mm -hmm. the shot of it like going there's like that iconic shot of it like going into the ground and then like leaving on the electrical stuff mm-hmm. but like that only shot comes up like three times the rest of the times they were like kind of low on a budget so they just did like a flash like effect and then like like his hand came out or something yeah like they just panned back and then it was there yeah which i think it's really funny i noticed that when the phone booth when they first left in it when you see the antenna in everything it's actually playing like rock music and i won't and that was kind of like an allusion to like their rock career in their like place in this like futuristic society. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like really clever. It's like, oh, they're probably playing Bill and, Bill and Ted's like future music on the phone booth yeah. while they're going to the past to make it sure that they can write the magical it. power. Oh, it's Weird. like an endless loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me think so much of, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rush, the band. I know of Rush. But they have an entire album, and basically the premise is very similar to that future scenario where, like, the government takes away music, and then the the lead singer of the band finds a guitar, and it's, like, 20-minute songs about him, like, creating music. What album is that? I think it's called... Mm, I might get it wrong, but it's, like, a year, like... Oh, it's, oh, it's that one with, like, the star and stuff. I was going to listen yeah. to it, but I, like, saw it. There was a visualization of it, but then it turned out to be a documentary. I'm like, no, I just want to, see like, listen to the album with, like, Yeah, no. Visuals. The overture is, like, 20 minutes. My dad listens to it every time, like, every day. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you don't get tired of it? Yeah. Just, my, apparently not. Might have to go back and listen to that one. 70s music is truly magical, apparently. Truly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in terms of the, the effects and the set design, I thought the effects... 
you know, were like comically, I mean, good for the 80s, but like, I think they they realized that they could make them comically bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that added to some of like the hilarity and like charm of the movie was that like the ridiculousness, ridiculousness of like time travel, but then like the very crazy effects of when they when they travel through time, like going through the the cords. Oh yeah, and, like yeah. that tube, and then the, it's like all of them like popping out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, like I don't know why they did that, but it was just funny regardless. Just like a funny visual, of, like all of them like sticking out. There's like no room in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of like a, like look at all the people like before they like doing their like hijinks in the mall, I guess. I'm just like trying to picture how they fit that many people in the phone booth when they were just like standing upright because mm -hmm. someone had to have been like on someone's shoulders or something because that thing could fit maybe four people squished. Yeah. And they had what, <laughs> close to 10? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> yeah, just Bill I, and Ted for you. There's, there's no logic behind it. There's none. It just makes it more fun. Because then it's like, should I be thinking about this? It's like, no, it's Bill and Ted. Exactly. Like the part um, towards the end where they're trying to get into the, the sheriff's office to like um, free all the historical figures. And they're, they're like thinking of things they can do in the future that affect, like that would help them in the past. And I'm like, would that work? And then I'm like, okay, I guess so. It yeah. works out for them. <laughs> it's like they, it's like they like totally like the writers just like it's like oh, how do they get out of this situation? It's like time travel. It's yeah. like there's so many things you can do with that now that that like um, has like occurred. Yeah, I um, like that because movies that try to take time travel really seriously, I'm always like, that doesn't make sense. That would never work. But in a comedy, it works so well because you don't need an explanation. Mm -hmm. And like the only like big problem with time travel is like. Um, like when their thing like breaks, the antenna breaks, and they mm -hmm. have to use like chewing gum to like fix yeah. it. That's very like 80s, but it's also really fun. But also I like the idea of like their time, the only rules they give is like, well time may be like, you're going back, like the clock, the watch is still running, like, um, and I forgot where they live. San Dimas? Yeah, San Dimas. So it's like, remember like stuff is still happening. You can't just like go back and like do that. You gotta like go at that time, which yeah. I think is a cool rule that they, that they like were like, hey, we can't bend it too much. Like yeah. here is like, yeah. I think time travels best when they have like one rule or two. Anything more than that, it's just, it's kind of hard to believe if there's any sort of plot hole. And with time travel movies, there's always a plot hole. So the fact that this is a comedy, it didn't take it seriously. It had like the rule that the clock is still going in San Dimas. I, I think it just works really well because it's like, well, of course... Uh, Ted forgot to like set his clock to the right time. That's why they're like almost late. It, it's just so Bill and Ted. I don't know how to describe it better than that. They're just, I feel like everyone knows someone who's kind of a little bit like Bill or Ted. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. the people I know, but. Yeah. I don't, they're just. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I'm <laughs> rambling, you go. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say it's interesting in terms of like a few rules. Um, that Rufus kind of serves as their guide because um, he kind of pops in whenever you might have been like, okay, this is making no sense. And he pops in here's like, mm -hmm. don't don't forget to do this, guys. And then you're like, oh, okay, I see where we are. So he's like the the one thread of like connection between all the time travel, I think. Yeah, George Carlin is a really like good performance. Like he's a comedic oh, yeah. actor, but like the fact that he can just like play it straight and he's just like totally like fine with like saying like, that's righteous dudes and just like has the straight face I think works so well and they also have um, that part in the beginning where he's like 
talking about like the future but like that part wasn't in at the beginning but they realized they didn't have like enough of him and so they like added it in like in post which i found out that's pretty cool yeah i I really like at the end how rufus was wanted to play with them like play with the band before the band was even fully formed Mm -hmm. and he just like looks at the camera deadpans like they get better i swear Yeah, it's talked about more in, like, the second movie, which I highly recommend everyone watches if they're, like, at least a little bit a fan of this movie. All right. Noted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess what else? Um, yeah, like, set and design. Um, I know that when they brought on a set designer from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is what I thought of when they went to, like, the medieval um, castle. Mm-hmm. And I know they did filming in Italy for like 10 days just to get some of those certain sets which I thought was just so funny because these sets are like so nice and so well done and they come in for like one minute grab the person and leave and I just thought that made it even funnier like the attention to the sets versus the contrast of them like just going for the person and not really looking around them. I almost wonder if they I'm trying to think when Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when they made it, because I almost wonder if they reused a set from that for the, like, medieval, the medieval, like, 15th century scene. That was, like, mm. late, mid-70s. Yeah. Okay. And I know most of the sets in Monty Python were, like, actual castles in, like, Scotland and stuff. So they probably, like, knew how to, like, rent out a castle probably for that. Yeah. yeah. So they had connections in the castle community. <laughs> a very specific skill set like not just everyone knows how to rent a castle no but they use that castle set like most like the part where they're like going down with the um like the cart like when they're going to be executed when they meet the princesses when they're like in the uh night outfits and they're just like lightsaber fighting for like what feels like two minutes just like straight they're like they're like using this runtime to like use up that set that they have access to yeah i think it's funny I feel like anyone else in, like, Bill and Ted's position, if they just suddenly had, like, a suit of, like, historically accurate armor and a sword, like, who wouldn't, like, sword fight with their friends just just because they could? They're in the 15th century. Time travel is real. Yeah. I like when he's, like, in the suit and then uh, Ted falls down the stairs and then, like, he it says he gets, like, stabbed. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you, like, see him later. It's like, dude, I thought you were dead. He's like... No, I fell out of my suit when I, like, hit the ground. Like, just totally nonsensical logic, but, like, makes it so much funnier because these characters are so likable that you don't even care. Yeah. And, like, the way he reacts when he thinks that Ted's dead and he's just, like, non-triumphant. And I just, like, it's, like, you could see the genuine emotion, but the words that were coming out of his mouth just didn't match up. That's actually, like, my favorite quote from the movie. And the line is, bogus, heinous, most non-triumphant. Oh, Ted, don't be dead, dude. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like what you're talking about, like, with the Shakespeare lines. I know Mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about, I don't know if that's safe for later. Oh, I mean, I could a little bit. I mean, like, in Shakespeare comedies, there's always a character that's the wise fool who, like, they say all these things that, like, seem really pointless and nonsensical, but they reveal, like, deeper meanings. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting they chose two characters to be the protagonists that were wise fools because, like, their, their vernacular and the way they speak just seems ridiculous, but, like... The, like, if you think about it, some of the things they say make a lot of sense. 
I mean, they got along well with Socrates. They did. <laughs> or yeah. Socrates, as they call him. I think that <laughs> Socrates. One of my favorite lines is, uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K, which is like very mm-hmm. like Shakespearean-esque, which I think just works so well. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> the writers really did such a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, and also kind of going along with that, uh, I know the the sets that they used the most, you were talking about the castle, I think we're probably, like, besides the present day, the castle and then um, where they, like, found Billy the kid were the ones they spent the most time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed those sets were really cool, too. You mentioned they flew out to, like, Italy. It sounded yeah. Like, yeah, they probably like did like an Italian, like spaghetti western probably type thing with that one. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll look it up later. <laughs> I like how when they were like in the Old West with Billy the Kid, they had, there was, there was a moment when this whole like bar brawl is like taking off. Mm-hmm. And Bill and Ted, there's just, it's just a quintessential like Bill and Ted moment. They're like, oh, we're surrounded. So let's just like give wedgies to the cowboys and push their hats down to get away. <laughs> One of the cowboys shoots himself in the foot and it's like, of course this would happen. Or like their heads being thrown through the wall or like the whole like classic like uh, Bill being thrown like across the bar like table and his head going through the wall it's like yeah that makes sense of course that happens Mm -hmm. yeah almost cartoonish yeah i mean they might have actual actors instead of it being animated but this would do really well animated yeah i know there was a old like 80s tv show because like any like marketable thing at a tv show and they actually had uh keanu reeves and alex winner like do the voices uh for them but at least for the first season then it kind of fell off but i heard it was really good from like the sources i've seen yeah, that's um, that's the first I'm hearing of it, but I will be sure to check it out because that just sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I almost wonder why. Well, I bet Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter just got too busy to do an animated show at that point in time because they are pretty big names in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I know um, Alex Winter is hasn't done much acting like since Bill and Ted, besides face the music. But I know he does lots of um, documentaries. Oh, and interesting. So, yeah, so like he, it's he's not like. I don't know, Macaulay Culkin, who's kind of, like, in and out of Hollywood. He's, like, still, like, doing, like, productions and stuff, which I think is cool. Yeah, I guess he just found, like, what he really wanted to do. And this was kind of, like, a little detour along the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought just another thing about the the bar scene was, like, how they use their, their logic from the 80s in the past (laughs) so they go up to the bar and they're like whoa we didn't even get carded and it's like i think that's part of what makes it funny too is they're they're using their logic from like what they know and going into the past and just that contrast between like the the different cultures of the time i like um i like how much that Bill and Ted just like stood out in like every set that they were in mm-hmm. and they didn't even try to like fit in at all. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, this is what we this is they looked very 80s and then they go to like they go to like the medieval England, they go to it doesn't matter where they are, they don't even try to fit in. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that also works in their favor for like the color because they wear like very bright, like I think it's like right. red and like purple, like these neon kind of colors. And like the environments they go to are like like the dusty west and the like just the white grease, like the castle, which is like all dark and only has candlelight. I think it definitely works in their favor to make them pop out more and like show the contrast that they have in the worlds themselves. Yeah, I bet they definitely consider that in like in making the sets they were like how can we make these as different as possible from bill and ted mm-hmm. who's like just wearing the most insane clothing i, I kind of like how they like stick out like a sore thumb in mm-hmm. every set because it's like well we know who we're looking for mm-hmm. yeah even when they were being executed they were the only people who tried to blend in were billy the kid and socrates in England when they dressed up as the executioners to prevent Bill and Ted from being killed. Yeah, another backwards logic. Like, how do they, like, know to dress up? Like, why would they wait that long? Yeah, like, so Crates doesn't even, like, speak English. Like, he doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. He was really living his best life, though. Oh, yeah, he was. He was having a great time. When they were at the mall and, like, he called Sigmund Freud a geek. Yeah. That that was really good. I, I think the reason that... Socrates and Billy the Kid were actually able to dress up as the executioner is because we see them we see like a peasant like this crazy peasant being like they're witches they're witches go by with the phone booth so I think they were probably captured at the same time but they were able to like get out of it so they took the executioner's uniform who was probably going to kill them which you know historical ramifications aside (laughs) Um, would have been bad for Bill and Ted. So I think maybe that's their little, the way that they get around that little plot hole there by just being like, oh, you just didn't see them get kidnapped or yeah. and get out of it. Maybe in like a Billy the Kid, so great spinoff. We could <laughs> yeah. see it. <laughs> their own little show. Mm-hmm. The Misadventures <laughs> of Billy the Kid and Socrates. Yeah. yeah. I think Socrates just realizes how arbitrary philosophy is because someone like Ted just comes in and is like, we're just dust in the wind, man. And he's like, yeah, right. And like, I think that just makes him realize like, it's time to have some fun. Isn't that just like what philosophy is though? You say something in that like, who like, you just say something in that like tone of voice where it's like, wow, there's so much to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wow, new age of philosophy, here we come. Yeah, like fake deep. Yeah. Like, this is so deep. <laughs> it's like those like edgy, like 14-year-old posts. It's like, wow, I'm 14 and this is deep. Mm-hmm. She believed he lied. Spieve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like those old posts where it's like everyone's on their phone. Like this is the dystopia. It's like, calm down. You posted this on your phone. (laughs) Book good, phone bad kind of thing. And then you view it on your phone or like computer. It's just like, man, like you mean well, but it's not. Something's not computing there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I guess that can take us into our next break. Uh, you're listening to Take Two on WSIN, 1590 AM, or on TuneIn Radio. We're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci And Alyssa Couture. And we'll be right back. Here's another great track from the movie. You, you want- 
All right, welcome back to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM and on TuneIn Radio. That was Play With Me by Extreme, and we're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci and Alyssa Couture, joined this week by our special guest, Liam Welsh. Um, and we're going to keep going with our discussion of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, so previously, we were kind of talking about like the 80s culture, the set designs, and the characters. Um, I guess, do you guys want to go kind of deeper into the characters and, and their situations? Sure. Yeah. I guess I'll start off by saying I really liked how Bill and Ted spoke differently than everyone else in their world. It's almost like they had their own little language, like they're like bogus and heinous and not most non-triumphant. Just all of it is very like quintessential to their characters. And I think their just their speech, the fact that it's so different and the fact that they have such they have such an impact on the future. It's kind of like, oh, they were destined to do something because they stand out by default. I don't know what your guys' opinion on that is. I know it's kind of like a far reach, but mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think you're definitely right. I think I was reading something about how they had originally wanted Bill and Ted to kind of be like more nerdy, but because of the actors they chose, they were like, they wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. And I think that was definitely the right choice because they're not quite like any other stereotypical character in the way that, like, the way they speak and just, like, I don't know, their thing with, like, rock music. It's very unique to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes them more more interesting characters. Yeah, I think it works in their favor because, like, if they chose to do the more nerdy approach, then they probably would know, like, all the characters already, mm-hmm. like, all the historical figures. So it's kind of, like, nice because I know sometimes this is aimed more to, like, family so, like, kids can kind of learn, too, along with Bill and Ted. I know, like, the lingo's kind of out of date, but it's still, like, a lingo that, like, kids could connect to also. I think it's, like, really cool to see the contrast between Bill and Ted and just everyone else in their school. Like, even in, like, the first scene when they're in Mr. Ryan's classroom, and you look around and you're like, oh, everyone else is the stereotypical, like, 80s archetypes. You got the cheerleaders, you got the football players, you got every other person in between. And then you have Bill and Ted, like, middle of the classroom, like, what's Joan of Arc? And who's this, like, historical figure? I I find it really interesting that even like at the very end of the film when they have like the big like auditorium presentation that no one else in the crowd looks or like acts like they do they're just their own act they're their own people which i think is kind of really cool i think like this uh the approach they like took with it was very uh smart because they could have like made like the bully like bully bill and ted a lot be like what's up losers and like mm-hmm. i know they got the football guy in the end that like just the like the like the football rules like first presentation but like it's just so like they know not to stray too much into the school aspect because we want to focus on these characters and then there's this like since they have like 10 other historical figures to focus on they don't want to like go too crazy with the characters just like have the parents and then like uh like rufus and like those are the other characters you like just need a basis for to like set up conflict and the history teacher even with the like football player at the end who's like the football rules we still see him like give his actual presentation like just like a little bit later on and 
I just, it's really funny how Mr. Ryan was like, yeah, they're going to be late, so let's put them last. Like, mm-hmm. that was yeah. very deliberate. He was like, they need all the time they could get if they want an A on this, so I'm going to put them last. Hopefully they could, like, get something together so they could at least not make a fool of fools of themselves. But I find that kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was nice to have a character that was kind of rooting for them in a way. Like, he didn't, like, want them to fail kind of like uh, Ted's dad did. He was like, he is like, I want you to go to military school. Like, this is mm. your future. So it was nice to have that character that kind of wants to see them succeed, but also is kind of the conflict as well. Yeah, and even, like, Bill's dad, he wasn't even giving his son a chance to actually do the presentation. He was just like, pack your bags. I don't care if you have the presentation that could be the difference between you and military school. I've already decided that you can't pass it, so you're not going to have a chance to, mm-hmm. which was very unfair to him. And... I like how like Mr. Ryan just like took him aside after class and was like, "You guys need a, you guys just need an A plus on this. Otherwise, I'm seeing you again next year." Like he was very, I feel like he should have intervened sooner in the year, you know. Probably. So maybe. <laughs> didn't come to that. It's also a little off topic, but how much was that presentation worth in order for them to still be able to pass the class? If they get an A plus on that, but failed every other assignment in there. Yeah, it must mean a lot. <laughs> Pretty crooked syllabus. Like I would hate if like my final presentation was like ninety percent of my grade. I'd be like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it was a big deal and presented in front of the whole class. So who knows? Yeah, I did like how they showed him just writing down like F's for so <laughs> many people at the end. I was mm-hmm. like, he's ruthless. Oh my god. Yeah. But I think. You said something before about, like, his dad, want, like, just had already decided he was going to military school. And I think that's, such, like, such a clever decision because, the way, like, the way that time travel worked for them was they could change their fate, like we see with them, like, sneaking into the, um, in to get all the historical figures. Like, they can basically change their fate themselves. And, like, in a way, Ted's able to do that. And his dad kind of serves as, like, the foil. Like, no, you can't. I almost wonder why they just didn't... I know for the main reason for the time travel was so they could finish their history project or get an, get an A-plus on it, but I don't know why they just didn't stop. Like, I mean, they would probably still be separated in a different way, even if they went back in time. It was just like, yeah, I'm just going to stop my dad from signing me up for military school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's like Bill and Ted because, like, like you could go back in time and like do the assignments or like be like oh i missed it like bill and ted like go in like this totally other direction that like makes us more engaging of like getting all these historical figures like they could just like ask them like real quick and just like write down things but they need to like get them for their assignment which i think is really humorous they just they need that a plus they can't give that teacher who's apparently very ruthless with giving everyone f's Mm -hmm. but he gave one a out the whole time And that was for literally bringing back the historical figures. So I think they knew that. And I like when they grab Sigmund for it. They're like, we still got time? Yeah, extra credit. Yeah, like they were starting to enjoy it. And I think that's kind of like part of the movie as like educational, where like they're starting to enjoy history and meeting these people. And they also just took such an interesting approach to that project and being like, let's just bring them all back. There's, there aren't going to be any problems. They're not going to get lost in a mall if we leave them there. I like how they just like leave Napoleon with Bill's younger brother, De- 
no, Ted's younger brother, Deacon. Just like, yeah, this is perfectly normal to leave like a 10-year-old with a little bit of money for a historical figure. Yeah, I guess he kind of counts as the B-plot because like, they cut, cut, like, keep cutting back to him and like, him like, instead of Bill and Ted like being in the, um, like the past, like, now someone from the past is in the future, which I think was a smart move because sometimes you do like need a break from the A-plot. So I guess that contrast was really needed. But I think they took it in a fun direction with like, him going like bowling and then having the Sunday. Which fun fact, the two people that bring out the Sunday, what is it like, Squiggy Piggy or whatever? It, yeah. Like those two, I think were either the writers or the director. I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, which I think was a cool cameo. They show up again in the second one, but I can't remember what. But I remember for that one, that's them. I'm yeah, gonna. That's fun. I'm gonna say it's the writers because mm -hmm. there was two of them and there was two script writers of this. Yeah, so it's probably them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really clever because those two wrote all three like Bill and Ted's stories. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice giving themselves a little cameo. Yeah. And I think it was like Ziggy Piggy. Yeah. Yeah. I could remember what it was. But Not, <laughs> it was weird. It was it was definitely weird. Um Napoleon had his like historically accurate like swimsuit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought that was such a small detail, but it was so funny. I like I like how the historical figures really couldn't talk to each other. Oh yeah, because they like all had different languages. Mm. Yeah, even for like as out there of a movie as this was, they they still were mostly historically accurate. They're like, yeah, these characters can't talk to each other, but it doesn't mean they can't still pair up in the mall to make sure they don't get lost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They almost become moms to all of those historical figures. Basically. <laughs> um, and I liked what you said about the B plot too, because I didn't even realize like that was kind of parallel happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was interesting that it was Napoleon, too, by himself. I think not only... I'm just thinking about this now, like, going, like, back in my head and thinking about this, but this is also... It's kind of like the reminder of, like, time is still happening in San Dimas. Mm -hmm. kind of. And then also, I like how he's on the, um... Uh, what is it? The water side. And he's, like, moving people out of the way. And it's, like, kind of like a wink-wink, because, like, he has a Napoleon complex, and <laughs> like he wants to, like, be in the front. Yeah. I think it's funny. That it is, is really funny. That is really clever, Yeah. I also think just the name of the water park, like, he was enjoying it so much. He was like, I love Waterloo. And I was like, man, I have some bad news for you. And I think in the ending presentation, too, he's, like, showing them his plan to, like, invade Russia, which just doesn't work. And Ted goes, I don't think that's going to work for you. And he goes, no, no, well, And he, like, knocks all the muses yeah, off. Yeah, he's all angry. <laughs> They're, like, yeah. playing, like, a risk or something. It's so funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't even like notice that thinking back to it how it was like Waterloo that's funny yeah. I was just, all like I remember specifically because of the ABBA song and that's it uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it I guess mm -hmm. um so I guess also like the big thing would be um how does this movie like affect today's culture like does it still relate in terms of you know high school um how do you guys see that I feel like high school has changed so much since the 80s, it's not even, like, a good comparison. Because in the 80s, like, it was just, there was less to worry about. I feel like the college admission process was more straightforward. It wasn't really as, like, pushed. It was, there was just different priorities. Keep in mind, 80s was 40 years ago. Mm. Weird to say it out loud, but it was. So... I would say maybe, like, the attitudes of Bill and Ted are still, like, prevalent today. People are still, like, very... I, I don't know. I, 
I think on average people take school more seriously nowadays, but we also have a lot more information than they did. Like mm-hmm. Bill and Ted were literally outside the Circle K just asking people who walked by for answers to like, who's this historical figure? Did they do this? Did they do that? Because they didn't have the internet. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they probably didn't know how to like research something at a library. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Except when he brought that giant stack of books that gave me incredible anxiety just thinking about oh, reading yeah. them. <laughs> I feel sorry for the librarian who checked them out because she looked at them and knew he sh- they weren't going to read them. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, this probably oh, isn't... Oh, that's fine. Um, this probably is, like, not something that would happen today just because, like, are there students that would have time to like or trust someone (laughs) that comes with a phone booth and is like let's go back in the past like that's a very 80s thing that's like well sure okay that makes complete sense i think not only you were talking about like high school how high school is different but i think um the depiction of high school is more different i think it's getting to a point where it's more realistic um i know there was a film eighth grade that i really liked which was a good depiction of high school even though it was like middle school but like good depiction of schooling in general which I think, like, brings us closer to, like, actually getting close to, like, not a saturated, like, stereotype, like, mean girls, like, popular, like, type. No disrespect on mean girls, but, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Um, but I think not um, for there to be a, the sequel, uh, Face the Music, in 2020, I think not only they didn't even realize what they were doing because they obviously made this as a cash grab. Like, there's no really way around it. But, like, one of the main quotes um, in this movie is be excellent to each other, which I think mm-hmm. is, like, such, like, a thing that, like, speaks wonders today, definitely. There's so much negativity that it's just, like, these two guys and, like, the friendship that they share that they just, like, are, like, uh, sword fighting, like, in, like, ancient times. And they're just, like, like I noticed something, um, like, when they get, like, angry. Like, when he's, like, shut up, Ted, it's, like, quick. Yeah. And it, like, doesn't, like, last. There's... They're usually in like buddy comedy movies they like grow apart or they grow separate mm-hmm. or like they like see some kind of difference which i totally hate and it's such a like a dumb like drama. this movie doesn't even do it because there's no point because these characters are like such good friends that there's no point in like breaking them up and like breaking that good connection that they already have in a way they kind of like grew up together with the whole with the whole time travel thing but even if you look at their family dynamics with like ted's dad being very like very strict, very, you're going to military school, and then Bill's dad being all, like, kind of creepy. You could see why they've stayed friends for so many years, because that was probably, like, their only consistent, consistent, like, relationship that didn't really fluctuate. So it it definitely makes sense to me, at least, like, why they would be, like, quick to anger, but also, like, they don't grow apart, because they've always kind of been, like, growing together. I haven't seen the third, the third, um, Bill and Ted face the music but I assume this is just an assumption no spoilers because I haven't seen it um, I just assume they continue to just grow with each other like throughout the years mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think we need them in 2020 I'm gonna be honest <laughs> they would solve all of our problems probably coronavirus would be gone <laughs> well that's why the future was so excellent because, exactly because like they just like had that love for like music and just like each other and it, like brought everybody together because they made the song that like cured like world like tensions yeah i think it's funny like they're like our saviors but we don't know it yet yeah maybe they will come back 
We never know. I feel like we just need to give like a little shout out to their like be excellent to each other, but also their like air guitar moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are just so iconic. And they re- to me, they make the film because I, I kind of wanted to like, when I got later in the film to just join them and be like, just like, air guitar around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though like they're positively, even if it's like stupidity or just like, like over their heads like when um they're like in england and it's like put them in the iron maiden and they're like looking at each other like iron maiden and they're like yeah. doing the hair guitar that was another one of my favorite quotes from the movie yeah i like how they solve a lot of their problems by just saying excellent <laughs> i think that's what i should do in the future excellent and bogus that's like all you oh need. yeah it's we don't need problem solving skills we just need those two words yeah, yeah. things they don't teach you in like communications class i guess <laughs> Unless there's a class on that we haven't taken yet. (laughs) Bill and Ted 101. (laughs) (laughs) I would take that, honestly. Oh, yeah. Maybe the only class I would, like, get an A in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, I guess that would bring us to our final point. Um, So there was an alternate ending proposed in which they kind of just give their report in a small classroom. Then they pass and they go to the prom with the rescued princesses. Um... So obviously I think, you know, no one really liked that ending and that's why they changed it. But um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? I, I liked the ending with the like auditorium and everything. It was very, it was a very like climactic moment at the end of it that was very, I, it sums it up better than it ending with a prom, which was kind of like a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it sums up the movie better. Liam, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think um, the choice to make it more bigger, like if they just did it in a classroom, it would be kind of like minimalistic and just like, oh, they did this, and then they're kind of, it's kind of like dragging into the prom. It's like, oh, like what would they even like talk about? Like, we did it. Like, we know you did it. We just saw it. <laughs> but like, I think this like big like uh, show approach is very like Revenge of the Nerds-esque. I don't know if that came beforehand, but like um, very like big presentation to like finish off your movie. Yeah. yeah, I like that they didn't have to change who they were to, like, get an A. Like, that was very them. Mm-hmm. And, like, they managed to, you know, pull it off and, like, stay themselves. Yeah, really not cool. a lot of character development from them, but I don't yeah. think the characters that really need it. Although they do say something towards the end that's like, we're, like, different now. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, you know what, we're going to learn how to play guitar. And that was, like, their whole, what they learned in the whole movie. I guess they're like, Eddie, they need Eddie Van Halen, but it's like, we don't need yeah. Eddie Van Halen. We have each other. It's like, oh, sure. Like, <laughs> if that's what you learn, then great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they learned something, and that's really all we can say. They learned a little history. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, I did. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well... That's almost bringing us to the end of our time, but, um, I, okay, well, (laughs) stick around after this break, um, because we're going to be announcing what our movie is for next week. So you're listening to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM and TuneIn Radio. We're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci and Alyssa Couture and our special guest, Liam Welsh. Um, so... Enjoy this next track from the film.
All right, welcome back. That was one of my favorite songs from the movie, Two Heads Are Better Than One. Um, you've been listening to Take Two on WSIN 1590 AM and TuneIn Radio. We're your hosts, Gabby Tanucci and Alyssa Couture. And we'd like to give a very special thanks to our guest, Liam Welsh. Um, well, we've reached the end of our show today, but you can come back and hear our lovely voices every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Um, so next week, we'll talk about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, and as a last note, um, remember to stay excellent. Be excellent to each other. Exactly. Oh, go ahead. And party on, dudes. That's very important. (laughs) See you next week.